Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The We Can't Wrestle podcast. The King listens to it. WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler, and you better listen to it too. My friend Nate and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Massa. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 116 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, Mr. Kyle, one man army. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. And my buddy Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? How is everyone doing out there tonight? Wonderful. Fantastic. A little cold, but I'm okay. This this week's edition of the show, we're going to be talking about the WWF pay-per-view from 1991. This Tuesday in Texas, a little experiment the WWF did back then. Let's not forget about our our sponsor, though. We have a sponsor. Oh, really? Yes. uh, Toots Suits. (laughs) Um, you go on down to toot suits. Um, it's all very thick cloth, like clothing, but you got to wear it anyway. It's all eight pieces. <laughs> very fancy no matter where you go. <laughs> nice hats. Um, the staff's kind of racist, but if you can get past that, toot suits is the way to go, buddy. <laughs> their, their motto is, you're not going to like the way you look. <laughs> but you can't afford not to. <laughs> Good job, Kyle. Yeah. Dynamite drop in, Donnie. Good, <laughs> Good start to the show right there. But yeah, we are going to be discussing this Tuesday in Texas from 1991. Also, a couple of other topics we'll be touching on as well. But I wanted to say here on the show, and I will obviously post the official announcement after I have the show up and running. But on this edition of the show, I figured we would go ahead and tell everyone who are the the first ever We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. Yes. Which uh, we'll, we, we, will be, we will be having um show, I'll be recording shows in January where us and the rest of the panel will get together and discuss um, nominee, the, who we nominated, who we voted for, why we think this person should be in or should not be in. But here I will have the official announcement 
of the first eight inductees into the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. You know what? Dave Meltzer's never wrestled either, and he has his own Hall of Fame, so I can right. do it too. Somebody, I want to bring up something real quick. We usually do our plugs, at, you know, like after the first break, but this is just fucking exciting news. I, I can't wait to share this. As great as 2020 was for the meet and greets, 2021 is starting off with a bang, guys. Mm-hmm. And to tell you more about that, I'm going to send it over to Archie Mitchell because this is huge. Why, thank you, Kyle. Uh, just announced tonight by uh, the Asylum's Nick Francis and David Gold on February 20th, 2021. The natural, the golden man himself, Dustin Rhodes, the son of a son of a plumber, will be joining us in the virtual asylum for a meet and greet. And we have got shirts, figures, pops. We've got 8x10s. We may even have some belts and some ring-worn gear. So make sure that you pop over to the Asylum, the Asylum store, and the virtual Asylum to check out everything you can buy to get signed by Dustin Rhodes. That is very exciting news for the virtual Asylum meet and greets. And don't forget, the one I'm actually more excited about is Demolition is coming up this week. This Saturday. uh, Yes. Um, Got to meet those guys before the pandemic and... uh, very cool. If you have not had a chance to interact with them, do so. Very down to earth. Really cool guys. They actually uh, wanted to bust me and Aaron's balls about our "We Can't Wrestle" T-shirts before we explained to them what the the shirt actually meant. Um, but yeah, it was a fun experience. So I definitely, definitely recommend it. Now, for the Hall of Fame. Oh, go ahead, Archie. Unfortunately, I have to miss your heat, mate. <laughs> I have to miss demolition. That sucks. It is my son's 21st birthday that day. Well, happy birthday to your son, though. Thank you. Thank you. The ballot for the Hall of Fame was as follows. Here was the final 20 ballot. I had everyone that was uh, involved, and we'll talk about that and who's involved in this and everything at a later date. But the ballot was narrowed down to 20 men after 12 people nominated folks. And those that had the most um, the most support got onto the 20-man ballot, and here they are. It is The Undertaker, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, Terry Funk, Shawn Michaels, Bruno Sammartino, Sting, Gene Okerlund, Roddy Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Dozon, Paul Heyman, Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler, Andre the Giant, Randy Savage, and Bobby Heenan and Hulk Hogan. So there were your initial 20 that were on the ballot. And now, here are the eight superstars who are the first inductees into the Weekend Wrestle Hall of Fame. We have as follows. Hulk Hogan. Boo. The Undertaker. Yay. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Woo! The Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Stone Cold Steve Austin. Damn right. Randy Macho Man Savage. Yeah. Vince McMahon. Uh. And Andre the Giant. That is your first eight inductees into the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. Um, I'm pleased with that list. The criteria that uh, that I had, I will share that with everybody as well as we do the shows for the Hall of Fame. 
But uh, there it is, the first the first class of the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. None of those guys care, but we do. So there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm very pleased with that list. I'm not going to lie. That, that's a relative who's who of, of who should be in a Hall of Fame. And, you know, yes, absolutely. And I think as the years go on, as we plan to do this every year, it's going to be, I think that the, the first, the first year here was easier because you, you know, you, right. Considering the criteria, I mean, how do you not nominate Hulk Hogan or how do you not nominate the undertaker? You know, as years go on, as years go on, I think folks will have to do more research and we'll have, we'll have, much harder debates about why or why not certain people should be in the Hall of Fame. Next year, I'm putting in Kenny Omega. I don't care what you say. Just, just be thankful that Virgil wasn't on the list because he would have been riding this thing for the next fucking ten years, <laughs> and we would have to pay him. Yeah, I was going to say I can't even nominate him. Or I owe him twenty bucks. Right. So we can't get Olive Garden gift cards. That's true. Yeah. So the next thing that I know, Kyle wanted to talk about on the show this week. AEW has acquired the services of one Stein. Stein, yes. I know that Aaron is not a big fan of this, and I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. I want to hear, what do you guys think? I don't care. And and I don't mean mean that to sound like, um, like... I'm shitting on it or not shitting on it. The way that I look at it is it's Sting was never, even when he was there, Sting has never been a WWE guy. Right. So really to me, the logical conclusion is for him to be on the other show anyway. Right. Um, and he, I, I don't begrudge anybody for taking a fuck ton of money from, from a money Mark and, you know, riding that shit till it dies. Cause AEW is not going to be around another five years. Um, mark my words, but uh, yeah, let, let him be there. Let him, you know, I mean, and, and he's not, he, I don't, I don't necessarily care to see him wrestle, but he's a decent right. enough personality to give say a Darby Allen or a Cody Rhodes or somebody uh, a rub and, you know, so no, I mean, I, I, when I said I didn't care, I guess I, that came out wrong. It's not that I don't care. I just, I'm indifferent to the fact that he's in AEW. I don't find it to be earth shattering, but I think it could be helpful for the company. In my opinion, um, I'll say it this exact way I told my son because he came in the room when it happened. He's like, what is thing doing in AEW? I'm like, well, like Nate said, it's all because of the money. And he felt that WWE kind of soiled his legacy a bit, uh, mm-hmm. which it did. It did. They did not go with any of the matches that should have been gone with, and he lost all three matches he was a part of. But I think Tony Khan and, of course, the executive vice presidents, Cody Rhodes and the Bucks, and Kenny Omega thought this was going to be like a Hulk Hogan-esque coup in 1993 that WCW got. Um, the thing that upsets me is that these guys were constantly saying before they went on the air, we're the alternative to WWE. We're not going to be like TNA was. We're not going to be like the other companies and take just anybody. And then they signed Sting. And I'm look, I like Sting. I am a Sting fan. I always have been. But to bring in a 61-year-old man who now has gray hair 
um, and can barely walk. Uh, thanks, Seth Rollins. Um, it just doesn't do anything for me because who is in AEW that he's going to wrestle? Chris Jericho, Dustin Rhodes, which no, no knock to them, but it's not like it would have gotten if he would have fought the undertaker or like when he did fight triple H and then they botched it, Mm. you know, it's not like it was when he fought Hogan for the first time in WCW. It just seems like it's a, yeah, it's just a last, last ditch effort. Uh, by a company that's looking to sign big names, but then can't really do anything with them. They're barely pulling 1 million fans a, a week. So, okay. Aaron, I know you made a post in the group about it, but you want to elaborate on that here? Well, what I'm going to elaborate on it is that, okay, I want to say this. I have no fault with Steve Borden going in and collecting a big payoff. Right. Okay? <clears throat> no fault with that at all. What I have a fault with is the management of a company. And if I'm the management of that company, I'm going to ask, what does this fucking guy bring to the table? Right. A couple t-shirts. Okay. Yeah, he's going to sell some t-shirts. That's fine. They're going to make a sting. You know they're going to make a sting documentary. Okay, Which it's gonna be done twice. It, it's gonna be a hour and thirty five minutes, or two hours and twenty minutes of stories we've already heard a hundred and fifty times. Oh, and they could use the TNA mattress. And then, then that I'm getting there. So, so that's what you're gonna get. They don't have access to ninety five percent of this guy's career. So what are they going to put on there as bonus or footage or anything like that? His great match with Bobby Roode. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is, honest to God, the only goddamn reason Kenny Omega has anything to do with Impact right now. And I'm not even knocking Impact because I like Impact. Right. That's right. the only reason Kenny Omega is there because they were like, the only footage you can get of Sting is the TNA footage. So we have to do something with Anthony. And Anthem was like, fuck, bring Kenny Omega over. And and I know we knocked AEW and everything because they only have, what did you say, Arch, like a million viewers or whatever? Uh, it's it's 900,000. Some weeks it's okay. 750. Well, well in, Impact probably has like 50,000 people watching it. So because of get, Kenny Omega, they hit If we can get Kenny 000. Omega on it, now right. we can bump it up a little bit. So it, it, it's, it's a waste of fucking money. What are you getting signing this guy. Right. What are you getting? Nothing. You're getting absolutely nothing. Somebody was like, well, maybe he'll be like an agent. It's like, why Why would you pay an agent multi-billion dollars to come up? And, and, and then somebody's like, well, he could, he could be an advocate. He can't be an advocate. Sting, I know Nate's not a big fan of Sting. That's fine. But I am. I was a little stinger. Sting was, was fucking I, awesome. Right. But guess what? Guess what? The weakest part of fucking Sting's game has been his entire fucking career. Promos, fucking promos. promos. So he's not gonna advocate. He he can't advocate for somebody. The 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 most compelling Sting ever was was when he wasn't saying a goddamn word. Darby <laughs> Allen. So we're just gonna have Darby Allen and fucking Sting just standing there looking at each other. 
Yep. Fuck that. <laughs> All right. Now. Stupid. It's a stupid goddamn business decision. All right. They could have spent their money. No, I'm not done, Kyle. They could have spent their money on so much better shit, in my goddamn opinion. And my opinion, no matter. It's like everybody's assholes. They all st- like everybody's got assholes and everybody's got opinions and they all stink. But this is the first time the AEWs did something where I was like, that's fucking stupid. If they want to do what they want to do with their money, that's if they want to have a legless guy and a and a transgender person and a fucking jelly janella and and all these people, that's fine. That's their goddamn money. They can do whatever right. they want to do with it. And I'm and I haven't and you guys can say this. When you guys talk about modern product, I usually sit out and I don't usually say anything, right? Right. Because right. I, I don't normally have an opinion of it. But this thing I have a strong opinion on that this is a pointless waste of nowhere. goddamn money. Waste of money. Okay. Now, I've, I've listened to you guys. I'm going to play the devil of advocate. Just Right up front, okay. I'm going to bring up a couple points here, and maybe they'll help. I don't want to say sway your opinions because I know Aaron's pretty. They won't. Steadfast in his mind, but my hope is is that maybe I can bring some points up that you guys are like, oh, well, maybe. Okay, so one, you guys talk about it, it's a, it's a silly waste of money. Okay. Here, here's the problem. Name me another star that's the caliber of Sting that can come and make a surprise impact on any other show besides him. Hogan's been beat to death. If Hogan came to AEW, be like, oh, okay, well, we've seen him in TNA. We've seen him. He's also damaged goods because, you know, nobody wants to touch that because of what he said. Ric Flair, Ric Flair ain't going anywhere because Ric Flair is going to stay in WWE because they're fucking treating his daughter like a princess. Okay. Booker T ain't leaving. So name me another guy who is the level of Big Foley. I'm sorry. You know. How about this? How about they don't worry about wasting their money on dusty product and just right. and, and spend Make their money on, on and make some homegrown stars. Right. But here's the problem, though. Here is the biggest thing. They've already made homegrown stars. They are at a plateau. They're only getting as many audience members as they normally get. At this point, they're trying to do something to bring in new viewers. Or bring in those viewers who... Because think about it. If you're watching TNT, and you used to be a wrestling fan back with WCW, and all of a sudden you see a promo for AEW, and here is Sting, you're going to be like, holy shit, I'm going to check this out. My brother... Yes. My brother who is not a wrestling fan, <laughs> messaged me, and he's like, dude, I saw on fucking Reddit that Sting is in AEW. Damn, he looks old, but that's kind of cool. Hey, I'm not going to watch it, though, because I saw his dumpy body get beat up in WWF. I understand that. Well, not, no, all right. I get I get Paul and Kyle. I get your point. Yeah, but but not, here's the thing. They're not catering to us. The, 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 mystique, the mystique of Sting coming back. Worn it's but, that's thing, but that's the thing, though. They're not trying to get to us. They're trying to get to those those lax fans who are watching TNT, who used to be wrestling. Kyle, right. Kyle, no, 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 I, no, no, no. I'm a lapsed fan. Okay, you have I haven't Sting. watched. I, huh? You saw Sting in WWE. 
Exactly. When he came I, back in the WWE, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to watch that. And then I watched right. it, and it was fucking trash. Okay. And I was like, well, no, I'm done watching that again now because that was fucking trash. Okay. But here's the thing, though. They're trying to go after those people who were 15 when WCW went out of business, who stopped watching wrestling, who now are 30, 32. They're going like, well, fuck, Sting's back. And they're hoping, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's right but, or wrong. All right, now, Kyle, see, this is my argument towards that, though. And I understand what you're saying, and it's not a bad point. But now, you tune, all right, you missed his return. Sting returns, he looks at Dustin, he looks at Cody, he looks at Darby, he looks at Arn Anderson. Now you tune in the following week to see what Sting is going to say. He didn't say much. Okay, I'll wait till next week. All he really said was, is, Cody, I'm not here for you, kiddo. And he had Tony Schiavone said, it's Sting. Okay, great. Nostalgia. Wonderful. You tune in the following week, and it's not what you were hoping for. By week three, you're tuning out. So all they did was get all those lapsed fans for a two- or three-week bump, and then they returned back to 750,000 fans. That seems like a lot of money wasted for two or three weeks to get a bump in ratings, and then it goes right back. And I agree. AEW's biggest problem isn't the fact that they spent the money to get staying in. It's how their follow-up. It's the same thing with this Kenny Omega stuff. Right. Okay. So you have Kenny Omega leave as the world champion. You have him for the first time in a long time, regardless of how you feel about the, the, the man himself and the wrestler. The fact is, is that he did something as, as far as a heel that was pretty shitty to John Moxley that you're like, what the fuck? Then he leaves but Don Callis says, hey, I'm going to fucking TNA. We'll see you there. You go to TNA. You don't say anything about it. Then it says, hey, bad. I've got a big announcement come Wednesday on Dynamite. And you say the same thing you said on, on AEW on, uh, you know, or on TNA. Mm-hmm. The problem isn't the money that they're spending on the talent. The money is whoever they have booking this shit is only thinking two or three weeks ahead. Well, no, whoever, they, they have young guys booking it right now who don't know their ass from their elbow. And pardon me, I don't mean a, a knock towards Cody Rhodes. Cody is trying to do it his daddy's way, and he doesn't realize he's not Dusty Rhodes. You I'm know just I mean? saying. I, I, That's the truth, you know. I don't I don't know how much money they're paying staying, but I can just say, dumpy Steve Borden with a movie, <laughs> with, with a forehead you could show a movie on isn't worth whatever they're and gray hair and the way you know what I love? Gray hair. More gray hair than I have right now, as you gentlemen can see. And the way that they emphasize to keep their mind off of that is let's make it snow so his hair turns white. What? I, I, more gray. I don't know why more gray. I don't know why he couldn't dye his hair, but you know right. that's neither here nor there. But like I said, you know? my point is is that I can see why the, why they spent the money to get him because it does. It, like I said, if you're tuning through TNT and it's like this Wednesday on, on Dynamite, Sting is back. You're going to have a casual fan going, oh, fuck. But as you said, if the follow-up isn't good, the follow-up isn't good. Right. I mean, but name me anybody else that really... Well, here's 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 the crack-up. I read the how the, the ratings came out for them. The Sting spot did 650,000 viewers. Okay, not bad. The Shaquille O'Neal spot did a million two. You're right. So maybe they need to get guys that are on TNT, like Shaquille O'Neal. They got Snoop coming in on January 6th. You know what I mean? Bring celebrities in, maybe. 
and right. and do you know what I mean? Have a concert in the middle or something like well, we're all used to do. And here's the you other know? thing. You know, there's right, right. a company that's starting off. Whether or not they're here in three years, five years, the, the fact is, you know, they'll be the here fact- as long as Tony Khan wants to spend money. They'll be here. Right. We all said TNA was going to die in three years, and it's fifteen years later. You but know? the fact, but like I said, I, uh, whether it's right or wrong, right, the money and everything else, the fact that they're they're trying to mix things up with TNA, they are. It's a, it's a smart move. I like. I kind of hope they continue with NWA too and with New Japan and all four go under one umbrella. Because think about it, how many of those fans too they're going to sit there and go like, "Oh fuck, this is kind of like the NWO thing was," without rehashing the NWO. Right. Well, here's the thing: I don't get access TV. If I want to watch TNA or Impact, as it's called now. I have to use a streaming service or Impact Plus. Okay, no big deal. I don't get New Japan either. I have to watch that online. So if you bring in stars that I've seen on these other companies, and now they're all wrestling in one company, guess what? I'm tuning in because that's what made WCW good. You gave me the cruiserweights, you gave me the big names, and you gave me the younger stars. Now, here's the thing that's great about TNA is that the show that uh, that, – uh, Kenny Omega showed up on. They posted that free on the YouTube. Yeah, on Twitch and stuff because they're like, "Hey, you know, we're on access. Hey, you know, if you like this, tell you know, it's a right. smart move. It's a very smart move." They jumped up to seven hundred fifty thousand viewers in one night. Exactly. Like I said, you everything know? that they're doing, I can see why they're doing it. Whether or not it works out, it's another story. But to say that you know, like, oh, well, it's just pointless to bring Sting in. It's like. If they're bringing people back to watch their product, that's a great thing. No, I agree. From a standpoint. Now, again, like I said, we're not talking about how they follow up on it. We're talking about the fact that, because think about it, again, we have we have seen Ric Flair, we've seen Sting, or we've seen Hogan and stuff jump back and forth time and time again. Sting is the guy, and rightfully so, we haven't seen him since he retired with Seth Rollins. Right. So even for the cash, the regular fan who does watch, they're like, I'm gonna fucking tune in and see what the hell he's got to say. Well, I mean, this is the there's a joke meme. Wrestling fans, uh, WWE is stupid for uh, for bringing back in guys like Goldberg because they're past their prime. Wrestling fans, AEW brought back Sting, hooray! And it's like you know, fans like us are always going to be fickle and upset about things that get done that way. Speaking but, of Goldberg, it's a smart idea to bring Goldberg back in for WWE because no, you're trying to capture those lapsed fans that are like, no, thank oh, you. I don't need to I see know. Goldberg ever again. I know, but like I said, again, it isn't for us. It isn't for for us mm-hmm. normal wrestling fans who watch every week and are, are addicted to this. It's for those lapsed fans or those people that they're trying to get that are the casual viewer flipping through their TV. That's what they're trying to get. Because that's the only way you're going to make new new fans. Because obviously, it, WWE and AEW and TNA, we're at a point now that provided that there's the next Stone Cold Steve Austin, we're at a fucking plateau what they're going to get. That's true. So they're trying to do things to bring in new fans or bring back old fans. And then... That's the problem. The, the, the other thing is... Okay. TNA's bringing... Or TNA. AEW <laughs> is bringing in all these old fucks. Alright? Old fuck after old fuck. Let's put this old fuck with this young fuck. Let's put this old fuck with these young bucks. Whatever they do. <laughs> 
when they bring in the old guys, they do nothing but like Arn Anderson. What what is Arn Anderson added to that show? Nothing. What is Tully Blanchard added to at FTR? least Tully at least Tully Blanchard is added to FTR. I can honestly say Arn has done nothing with Cody. And and I'm a I'm a huge Tully Blanchard fan. Nate knows this. And I'm a huge Arn Anderson fan. Yep, and, and all that. But my thing is don't focus all your shit on on don't I have no problem with Arn Anderson being there. I have no problem with Kelly Blanchard being there. I have no problem with Jake Roberts being there. I have no problem with Sting being there. What I have a problem with is putting these guys out there to do absolutely nothing. Nothing. All of these guys is just keep them in the fucking back. Make them agents. Let them write. Let them do what they're supposed to do. Let them book. Vince did that. When he hired... Nick Bockwinkle. He right. didn't hire Nick Bockwinkle and say, hey, Nick Bockwinkle, go out there with Hercules and just give him the rug. He had Nick right. Bockwinkle stay in the fucking back because he said, you're old. Nobody wants to see you anymore. Or you'd still be in the AWA and they'd still be making gangbusters. Stay in the back and teach Hercules what to do. Don't go out there right. with him. That's what they should do with these old guys. It's a fucking waste of time. It's a waste of television, and it's something else they could be doing with somebody else that can fucking work. I I don't get why. The Goldberg thing, I will say this. Am I a big Goldberg fan? No. But bringing Goldberg back, Goldberg, I don't fucking know how old he is. He's probably, what, 55? Nate, is he like 57? 54, 55, yeah. I'll check. Hold on. Goldberg is in goddamn shape. Okay, and you can say, "Oh, well, he's blown up or whatever." In the course of five minutes, Goldberg isn't a twenty-five, thirty-minute wrestler. He's a he's a six-minute man. He gets in there, hit it, and quit it. Goldberg is in shape. Sting was dumpy and bald. In the words of Eddie Murphy in Coming to America, Bill Goldberg's fifty-three years old. (laughs) That's just my opinion. I'll make I'm gonna make one final point and then we will take a quick break actually. But and I will I guess this is my point counterpoint to your point, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying about lapsed fans. I actually saw the Tony Khan interview where he said that the, his main reason for bringing Sting in was to try to get some of those old lapsed WCW fans. So here's my biggest issue with not just Sting, but Goldberg, um uh Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, blah, blah, blah. You bring, you're bringing these guys into your promotions because WWE is just as guilty of it as, as, as AEW is. WWE ramps it up every year at WrestleMania time where they bring in old fuckers. You're essentially saying, well, we know our product ain't great nowadays, but look how great it used to be. Right. And, and that's, that's my that's my biggest issue with it is is that's all it is. is it just reminding me that wrestling ain't good no more. But every once in a while, we'll bring you back one of those guys from when it was good. And they're instead of instead of building instead of building a new industry or building new stars, which I'll actually give AEW credit, they're better at that than WWE is, just because. With WWE, everybody other than a Roman Reigns is like a puzzle piece, and they're all interchangeable. Whereas, although AEW books very sporadically, and it's 
it's like alphabet soup booking, they at least try to push newer stars and make people have a, a unique identity. Whether or not it's astastic or not is besides the point. At least they're trying. But but yeah, that, I mean that was kind of my point on that. Was it just to me? It's just all it does is make a glaring um, example of that. It used to be really good and now it's mediocre and boring, but look, it's the guy that was around when it used to be really good. But I will say this, I will say this to just, just real quick. I know, you know, but I will give AEW credit because on the same show that you had Sting show up on, you had a world title match. Mm Mm-hmm. You had a huge world title match, probably something that should have been on a fucking pay per view, right? You know, so you know, and you can say like, well, well, they didn't know at the time. People are going to go back and watch that. They're going to go back and watch it on YouTube. They're going to go back and watch. You know, mm-hmm. it's changed dramatically from when we were watching. You know, where it was, you had to watch fucking Monday night because if you didn't, you fucking missed it. Right now, you can watch literally anything on YouTube. You know, I mean, exactly. that's where they make the bread and butter. You know, I think, I think the execution is horrible with what they've done so far with Sting and what they've done with a lot of these older talent. If it was me, I would have had Sting show up and just be like, "Hey, you know, like I'm endorsing TNA or endorsing, I'm endorsing AEW," because you know. Yeah. You could have saved more money, you know, probably by having him to show up one time and be like, "Hey, you know." I would have had him come out. Sorry, Arch. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that I've listened to this. I've been open minded with a lot of it and everything like that. But I'll say this: AEW, okay, is wanting to remind people about WCW because they're on the same channel. They're on TNT, and they're giving away pay-per-view matches on free television. And now they're wasting money on old people. Who else was on TNT, gave away main event matches on television? This is true. WCW. But I will say this, though. And where are they at now? And that's fine. The WWE Network. <laughs> and that's fine. But I will say this, though. We don't know how much money that... The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and, and over and over again. Outcome. Expecting a different result. And I understand that. But we don't know how much Tony Khan has actually spent to get Sting in. It could be TNT that's paying for it. Because remember, way back when, when you know, WCW was in business, everyone's like, I can't believe they're spending all this money to bring Hulk Hogan and... Randy yeah, but there ain't no way and, a company's going to make that mistake again, Kyle, because the, when the company but, went out of business, those stars stayed on and still got paid by TNT. And this is true, but here's the thing. like When Randy Savage came in, Randy Savage brought with him the Slim Jim deal that pretty much fucking paid for his fucking payroll. So we don't know what all is, you know, for all we know, maybe there's fucking movies for Sting. I just, I want to interject real quick that I would have had Sting debut, I would have had him come out, grab the mic, and said that Darby Allen is his illegitimate child with Miss Elizabeth, and all these years he had lust in his eyes. You could have got Barry wasn't Hulk Hogan. You could have got Maury Povich involved in that. There's another right. celebrity crossover, right? Sting, you are the father. Darby <laughs> would have been like, no, he probably would have been more relevant than Shaq. 
<laughs> but Shaq got them a million viewers. Yeah, he's still Shaq. I mean, fucking people love them some Shaq, man. There's a reason why he's selling fucking gold bond medicated powder. Right. <laughs> Which is what half of the AEW management roster yep, yep, is using. Uh, All right, gents. Well, we're going to take our break, and when we return, they should call them. They should call them the Werther's Originals. <laughs> Jing, <laughs> Jake, Tully, Arn. I, I loved that Sting got in the ring this week, and Arn Anderson was like, "Okay, I don't need to be here." He just walked out of the ring like, "Fuck this shit! I don't want to even be in the same ring with this guy." Yep. But Who's Ice uh, Train going to be mixed up with Ice Train? <laughs> <laughs> As, as Nate was saying, I think when we come back from our break, we're going to be talking about a very topical... The other uh, thing is, AEW, they have like, oh, oh, let's remind you about how cool WCW was, how not cool our company is. Oh, and now we have the FTW belt, which was an ECW thing. They don't oh, have their goddamn watch, identity. I'm sorry, watch, I'm done now. I'm done. Nate's, looking, Nate's looking annoyed, so I'm done okay. Hold right. on, and, and watch Impact Plus, which has all WWE stars on it, because they all went to go work for the WWE. This is true. When we come back, we're going to bring up the topic of unions and unionization and pro wrestling. What's really cool is I actually work for a union. Nate and Aaron are both, you know, uh, managers of stores and stuff. So you're going to have both sides of the fence here kind of going into this topic. So it's going to be really interesting. Yes, Unions and Wrestling and Tuesday in Texas. All that and much more coming up when we return on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Last Tuesday in Texas. You know what usually happens at Tuesday in Texas? They get drunk and shoot their guns off and shoot their (laughs) wives. Alright everybody, we are back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. This just in, this just in, we got a new sponsor. We got a new sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. Look at Aaron raking in the sponsors. We got a new sponsor. Um, For any of you people out there that love your turnips, carrots, rutabagas, onions, radishes, artichokes, beets, yams, all that and so much more, go down to Toots Roots and it'll hook you up. <laughs> Man, that Toots sure has a lot of businesses. Yeah. If you want your root vegetables, hit up Toots Roots. He'll keep you now, healthy. Now, I have a question. Aaron is selling ad space because you won't give him his money from the t shirt that he's the t shirt that he sold. Yeah. That's himself. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think. Come on, guys. I thought of Toots Roots. I have no problem with it. <laughs> and you know what? I think his I think his uh his tagline for that one is I am what I am and what I am <laughs> is grounded. <laughs> A nice reference I am during what the, I am and what I am is racist. <laughs> A nice reference during the holidays to yams. Good job, Kyle. And good job, Aaron, on that. <laughs> All right, so now we are going to discuss really quick something. I think um, we are probably, Kyle and I want to talk about this. We're going to 
we're going to part ways, but we're going to see things the same way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, unions and wrestling. I am not a fan of unions in general. And here's where my, here's where I ride there. Um, it, in a non-union shop, I speak for me. Mm-hmm. In a union shop, someone else speaks for me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I don't, I don't argue the point. Some people prefer that. But for me personally, I would rather be the person talking for myself than having a collective talking for me. Here, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to disparage it. I work for UAW. I mean, I don't work for you, but I'm part of the UAW, United mm-hmm. Auto Workers. Boom. And I'm going to give you the pros and cons real quick of what being in a union is. Because there is a, some cons to it. Pros, you have the backing of a giant... <laughs> basically a bunch of lawyers that protect you, that fight for you, that you end up getting, you know, a lot of, you know, more benefits than you probably normally would have. Con, as they has said, you don't speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. They speak for you. A pro is that you're protected because the company can't just fire you or right. let you go if they want. The, the con to that is that... <sighs> For anybody who's never worked in a union shop, you can go to your HR rep and talk to them, get it solved. It's not the way it happens in the union. Mm-hmm. HR is not there to, they are, but they're not. They're not really there to to help you. They're more there for the business side of it, and you're to go to your union. You're also paying union dues every month. Right. It's not your choice. If you go on strike, that's not your choice. And I'm going to dispel the, the rumor right here, right now. So like us, if I go on strike with, with the UAW, I make $200 a week and I have mm. to take it. You don't get paid your full right. salary. Hell, uh, this past time when they had a contract dispute with GM, I don't work for GM, but when GM had a contract uh, dispute with UAW, they canceled their health insurance, and those people were making two hundred dollars a week. They stayed on unemployment for like two, three months, and really didn't get anything more than what they originally were offered. Mm-hmm. There is there's a lot of pros, but there's also a lot of cons to being in a union. Now, as pertains to wrestling, okay. <laughs> Can I can I say my one point that I have on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my one point, and then I'll let you guys say whatever you want to say. <clears throat> Do I think that wrestlers should be a little more taken care of? Yes. Do I think that um, from everything I hear? Do I think that Vince McMahon? does his fair share of taking care of people that need help. If they need help and they go and ask for help from everything I hear, he helps them. But my thing is the professional wrestlers say I should have this and I should have that. And I should have this. Nobody makes them become professional wrestlers. Mm -hmm. They signed up for it. They got in the business and that, my stand on it. This is true. They, they, they know going in that it's a tough road to tow, and if you really want it, 
fight for it, and if you become successful in it, you're going to make a fucking shitload of money. But there's no health care, there's no retirement plan, and they know that going in. What they do with that money, what they what they do with that money, is on them. And that's, that's my stand on it. Now here's like Tito Santana, he didn't have fucking health care and all this other shit, but you don't see him trying to sue Vince McMahon for every goddamn dime they can get out of him because he took care of himself and he made his bank. Uh, Nikolai Volkov, he never got in any of these class action lawsuits. So you never heard him bitching about anything. Because he took care of himself and he took care of his family. That that's my stance on it. This is right. my only interjection, if I may, for a second. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um I agree with everything Aaron just said. Um they they knew what they were getting into, and wrestling in two thousand and twenty is much different than it was in nineteen eighty. These guys in nineteen eighty used to make money nightly, two hundred a night. 500 a night if they were in the main event, 1,000 if you were Ric Flair. But they didn't have a contract that guaranteed them money. Nowadays, because of guys like Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels, they have a guaranteed contract. And their downside guarantee, guys, is 250000 a year for the lowest person on the card on the main, ros- on the main roster. NXT wrestlers in WWE are making like 75000 a year. But I don't know about any of you, but I could live pretty damn comfortably for $250,000 a year. Um, And in regards to someone like Zelina Vega just getting fired after she said something like, I believe in unions and wrestling, and because of her Twitch channel being taken away and her, you know, breaking the rules, she's doing her Twitch channel from a mansion that her and her husband paid for from wrestling money. They're Mm -hmm. not poor. They were not broke by any means. But her argument was... I make more on Twitch than I did in WWE. Well, I highly doubt that as of right now or when she did work for WWE. Now she might. But you don't bite the hand that feeds you when it comes to wrestling because, like Aaron said, the older wrestlers who saved their money did not go after Vince McMahon. The guys who didn't save their money and and had um, money grubbers in their family, um, God rest his soul, Mabel, his wife tried to attack Vince McMahon and blame him for Mabel dying when Mabel wasn't even under contract when he passed away. Uh, Kamala's wife, may he rest in peace, tried to say the same thing after he passed. It, it's like this was not Vince McMahon's fault, and I'm sure he would have helped if need be. Right. So here's so, so here's the here's the big thing. Okay. Almost all all companies. I don't care who they are. I'm going to go with Honda because mm-hmm. Honda does not have a union. But Honda has a lot of great benefits for their employees because they don't want to have a union in their place. So that is where we're at now, where companies will take care of their employees more because they don't want to have a union in it. And here's the biggest thing, okay? We, we talk about, you know, yes, they got into it. Yes, you know, they, they knew the, 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 they knew everything going into it. But here's the problem is from here to, you know, even beginning of time, they were considered independent contractors. And this is what has screwed Vince McMahon. I truly believe in this lawsuit and everything else, because I truly don't think whether or not there is a union that shows up in pro wrestling or not, things are going to fucking change and they're going to change real fast for fucking pro wrestling because oh, definitely. here's the facts. Okay. 
you guys take it, the fans listening can take this any way you want. And I'm not trying to say this is pro-union, anti-union, anything else. I'm just telling you what the facts are. Okay? You have, you said, okay, let's go with that, $250,000 a year. For most of those guys, though, who are on the underneath, now John Cena's, Brock Lesnar's, they have their travel taken care of. But a lot of them are paying for their own fucking hotels. Now, unless you want to stay in a shitty-ass fucking, uh, you know, Econo Lodge, you're, you're looking at about 100 to 120 a night in a hotel, plus plane tickets to get there. Now, God forbid that you're somebody like fucking Vader or or Andre the Giant who has to get, like, first class because you can't sit coach. Plus, you know, here you are, you're a guy who's on TV every fucking, every, you know, almost every day. People know who you are. Do you really want to be fucking hassled by fans all the time while you're sitting in coach? No, that's true. That's okay. True. Then we go to the fact of the, the bumps that the wrestlers take. There's no denying that it takes a fucking toll on the body. Okay. Whether you want to say that, you know, with or without a union, I, in my personal opinion, I think that pro wrestlers, especially when you sit there and you look at how much money Vince McMahon makes, it doesn't look good, especially when over the last couple of years, Vincent's fucking starting to tighten down a little bit now on, well, you can't have a Twitch. Well, you can't do this. You can't do, you know, whatever. You can't do this. But again, they're independent contractors. So according to so an independent contractor, would he have done that if they were, if they, if, if we weren't involved in COVID right now, would he have done that? I think so because he I sees, don't think so. I see he sees money. WWE is losing money. Yeah, well, there they're may, right. There may not be. They may not. You know, be losing a shit ton of money like WCW is. But the fact is, compared to where they were last year, it's lower. Compared to where they were two years ago, right. it's lower. They're not selling tickets. They're not selling pay per views anymore. They're selling the network. Right. And and you know they they don't charge for the Thunderdome. And here's the other thing. Yes, I agree with you. They're paying for their own plane tickets to get around. They're playing for their own hotel, own hotel rooms. They were, at least last year. In this last eight or nine months, nobody's traveled. It's been right. strictly to Florida. And it's not his fault if they want to live in California and travel back and forth to Florida. Get a, get a, They should be getting somewhere close to where they work, so this way it's easier for them. But again, Kyle, this is my argument. If right now... We were main event. Star. If we were Drew McIntyre on the WWE roster right now, Drew McIntyre is making like one point two million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's not a little bit of money. No, it's now, not. It's not. If you were Kyle and I were Archie and we were working for the WWE on the same salary we make nowadays, like what we make on our normal salaries from our real jobs, yeah, we can't pay for our own plane tickets and our own rooms. But if I'm making one point two million dollars, well, the hell with it. I'll 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 make do with what I got to do. You know. Right, but you here's the, but here's the difference. When you look at WWE, their 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 uh, actual people who work for WWE, they they have pension plans, they have health insurance, and then you turn around and look at the wrestlers, the ones who are making them the money, they don't have those things. This is what I was going to say. Where we, although I'm not in support of the union, where I am. Where we're going to agree, I think. Mm-hmm. As pertains to WWE, and as pertains to especially WWE, I'll just use them as an example. 
I don't believe that there should be a union, but what I believe is they go to work for that company and they are told um, where to be at what time they are told that they cannot work for any other company. They are told that they essentially just work for WWE and that is it. And WWE's rules are what are what they have to follow. So that's why I say, I don't agree with a union, but I absolutely positively agree that at this point, WWE needs to make their wrestlers employees Yes, because you're not an independent contractor. If you're told you have to be at work at a certain time, you can't do anything outside the company. True. At that point, you're not an independent contractor. You're an employee and employees should have benefits. And, you know, so that's where I think we kind of agree in that the treatment of the wrestlers, especially in the major companies, is kind of horseshit. Right. Well, and here's the other thing, the big, big fucking thing that nobody seems to realize. Okay. So let's go back and look at Razor Ramon. He wanted to go and work Japan. Vince was like, no, you can't do that. Even though he was gonna, Scott was gonna do that shit on time that he wasn't working for WWE. Vince is like, no, mm-hmm. you're an independent contractor. Sorry, Vince, you can't fucking tell an independent contractor. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you are a fucking a painter or a fucking construction worker? You're an independent contractor, and I'm doing business for you. And you tell me, hey, by the way, you can't do anything over here at my neighbor's house because I fucking hate him. Right. That's horseshit. And Here's the biggest thing. You're making they're making money. Now I granted I understand that, you know, talent gets money taken, you know, given to them for their merch sales and everything else. There's a lot of factors that goes into being a pro wrestler. You know, for for all intents and purposes, pro wrestlers are movie stars. Mm-hmm. You know, movie stars are protected by, you know, the SAG. They're protected by a union that says, you know, this is what they make. This is what they, you know, this is what they get. This is, mm-hmm. again, I'm not saying that pro wrestling needs a union. But what I'm saying is that Vince McMahon needs to take the, needs to take from other companies like Honda, like Walmart, like any of these other places who actually fucking pay their employees, give them health insurance because they don't want to have a union in there. Mm-hmm. This has got away with a lot of shit for a lot of years. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing the, the dying of that breed. Yep. And that's a good thing. But speaking I'm just of saying, Vince, Vince McMahon ain't Vito Corleone. He ain't holding somebody's face down to contract and saying, putting a gun to their head and saying, yeah. I'm right. you an offer you can't refuse. Those guys sign that fucking paper. This is true. But what I will say is this, though. And if, and if, and if they don't read it, all the way, or they get into it a couple years down the road and they're all butthurt about it. Hey, Vince didn't hold you a gun to your fucking head. Nobody made you sign that contract. You signed it. You right. dealt with it. And that's that. Yeah, but see, okay, so let me let me bring let me bring up a few other points real quick with that, Aaron. Just because like I said, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying is okay, how many times have we heard from different stories from wrestlers. Now, they could be fake. They could be true. We don't know because, again, wrestling is a work. They like to work everybody. But how many times have we heard somebody say, like, hey, I gave my two weeks or I gave my, my month notice in and all of a sudden I got popped for a fucking drug test that shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have counted. True, true. You know, whether or not, whether or not, I, and I know what you're going to say. Well, if they, if they, if they want fucking doing it, then they don't have to worry about it. But 
here's the other thing, okay? So if you're under a contract with, it, again, you're under a contract as a fucking independent contractor. I don't understand how you can have a contract if right. you're an independent contractor. Right, that's because where it's stupid. It's worth yeah. okay, really well, well, like, like I said, like I said, guys, they signed it. I understand that, but see, that's the point. My, and, and Kyle, you said the, the um, your point was, you know, um, sorry, what was it exactly you said? There's been times where guys have given in their their notice, and then all of a sudden they're popped for this drug test. Or okay, there, there's there's that ad, there's that side of it. But let me let me say this: How many guys have you heard say they're putting in their notice they don't want to work there, and the WWE WWE has said you can't put in your notice, okay, but you can't go work somewhere else, so you're gonna go home, but they still get fucking paid. They get paid their downside. Because they're not working, but Vince is still paying them what he said they were gonna. He was gonna pay them if they weren't producing. Pac, like Adrian Neville, he said he wanted to leave. They said you can't go anywhere else because you signed this contract. So you go home and sit on your ass. And he got paid the entire time he sat on his ass. Okay, so you got to play the devil's advocate on it. Of you signed the contract. Okay, you signed this paper, you're producing, so we're going to pay you. You might not like the push you're getting. We might not like, you right. might not like what we're doing, so you're going to get all pussy hurt and go home, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Go home, but we're going to pay you what we were going to pay you when you weren't working or you weren't producing. Vince is still paying these people. This so, is true. This is true. If, if, if I go to work and say, I don't like what you, I, I don't want to do that. They send me home and I don't get fucking paid. And this is true, but what so I'm good say for is them. So that's what I'm saying. These guys sign the contract. They get read all of it. Half of them, probably more than half of them, have fucking agents or attorneys or whatever that read it for them. Mm-hmm. And then they put their name on it. Nobody's <laughs> making them sign the fucking paper. This is true. That's my thing. So that is that is my stance on it. And I and I, I get it. I hundred percent agree with you, and I understand that. But here's what I'm saying. And, so and if have, somebody gets hurt, Vince still fucking pays them, and he pays for their surgery. So that is their health care. I understand that. But okay, so here's what I want to say: is that okay? So we look at we look at that. The fact is, the pro wrestlers are movie stars. They're on TV every week. They're on, you know, blah blah blah. Can you imagine if you were fucking, I don't know, Ben Affleck or John Travolta, and you're working on a movie. Let's say fucking Ben Affleck's working on Batman. He decides halfway through, hey, this shit ain't working out between the two of us. You know, we've come to an agreement that I'm not what they're looking for, and they're, uh, you know, and they're not what I'm looking for. The studio doesn't say, well, you can't go in any other movies for fucking six months. But the studio also doesn't say you can't go get any movies for the next six months, but you can sit at home and do nothing, and I'm still going to pay you. Right? They don't pay him. They don't give him what his contract was. When he that's what they. That's the what the WWE does now. When somebody right. wants out of their contract, they don't release them. They just tell them to go home and they sit right. and ride out and take their downside guarantee. Luke Harper sat home for eight months. But here's the problem. Ah, okay. He sat. He sat home. These I people know. they sit at home and they get paid. So that's what I'm saying. Vince McMahon holds up his end of it. You get hurt on my time, I'll pay for it. You don't want to be here, that's fine. I don't want you in my locker room because you're a pain in the ass. So go home and I'll pay you. 
And, and and so Vince is holding up his end of it. Well, but hang on now. Let's bring up CM Punk real quick. Because, you know, you go back and look at what happened with him where, you know, he said, look, I'm going home. I don't want to be here anymore. And then they all of a sudden said, hey, you're in breach contract. We're not going to send you your money. And he had to sue them. So just because it, they say that they're they're doing that doesn't always mean that's the case. Yeah, but, but Kyle, he didn't actually get a dollar from them. And then the doc, WWE doctor sued him for defamation of character. <coughs> and it ended up costing him and Colt Cabana 500 grand each. Right. So him doing that, that little bitch fit that he pulled, and then going back to work for them on WWE Backstage last year, just proves that he was butthurt about his push and wanted to stay at home and still get paid. No, and I agree with you. But you know, the and there is, are other wrestlers like that. No, and I get that. But the point is that here's what is the, the biggest problem is there is enough instances in pro wrestling's history where you know you can say Vince McMahon does this and Vince McMahon does that and WWE does this and WWE does that. There's enough circumstances, whether they're right or wrong, where a lawyer can sit there and say yes. Maybe that's the case for him and him and him, but you also sat there and you, you turned a blind eye to fucking this, this, and this. True, I agree. You know, so it's not consistency across the board, and I no, think that is going to be the problem that WWE runs into. Oh, definitely. Is uh, the BL end all whether they have a union or not? The fact is, there is no consistency across the board because we've all heard about their welfare or their healthcare programs and their, you know, their, you know welfare programs and everything, you know, we're like, oh, you know, they have three chances to, to you know, and how many times have we heard of guys who broke that and right. they were able to fucking work that off and everything else, but yet this guy wasn't. And, well, right, right. And, and the end of the day, guys, look, we're not talking about anything else besides pro wrestling where you make your money based on being in front of people. And if you're sitting at home with eight months, you know as well as I do, how many pro wrestlers know that is a fucking kiss of death. To be out of the mind's eye. Well, well, I think what we could all contract. But I think what we could all agree on is Vince makes you sit at home. They signed a contract as an independent contractor. You cannot tell someone who is an independent contractor, you cannot go work somewhere else. That is the BLN though. I don't know how they have gotten away with it for as long as they have. Now, if they are if they are an employee of WWE and they are offered stock options. They are offered the same things that the actual employees of WWE are offered. The same thing as the writers, as the <coughs> office personnel. Then you would have a case to say, you signed that contract, this is what it is. But the fact that they are considered independent contractors and not in the same light as what the office personnel is, that's where they're going to run into the problems. It may be the... Um... The reason Vince finally has to step down, because he doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to give the company to anybody, but because of Vince's backwards thinking and the stupidity of being an ind, how can you write? How can you sign a contract if you're independent from the company? See, that's Why, the point. You know right. what I mean? That's that's a double. That's a double stand. That or forgot. I can't think of the lack of a better word, but that makes no sense. I'm under contract, but I'm independent. You know, don't get me wrong. Jeremy Dibbett's a great lawyer, but every day we see somebody that comes along that might be a better lawyer than him. Well, true. Speaking of things that Vince McMahon did on December 3rd, 1991, he presented 
a pay-per-view. Ladies and gentlemen, the king of the Segway, Nate Maxim. <laughs> called this Tuesday, or as uh, as Undertaker calls it, Tuesday. This Tuesday. Tuesday in Texas. And real quick, before we go to this Tuesday in Texas, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for joining in on this conversation. Oh, it's a great conversation. It was a great conversation. I'm glad that we were able to bring a little bit of light to this from us who have been on -hmm. both sides of the spectrum. Like I said, that's really the thing. We don't know where this is going. Right. But I do appreciate, Aaron, I appreciate your views and your opinions. Archie, Nate, the same. Like, I, I think this has been a great conversation about this. Absolutely. I agree. And I expect you guys to send me your dues for the We Can't Wrestle podcast union. Okay. I will send you a six-pack of beer. It's in the mail. <laughs> I'm going on strike tomorrow. I want my 200 in the mail. <laughs> Archie, you're going to get 200 Reese's Pieces is what you're going to get. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> you know what the best thing they ever did was? They put the Reese's Pieces inside the fucking Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Uh, my favorite thing is the Reese Christmas trees and the eggs during Easter uh, and Christmas. Those things are the bomb. You know why? Because they don't have any of those hard edges on the side. Right, exactly. All right, we're getting off. <laughs> Di- diabetes is covered. Diabetes is covered by... <laughs> we call that the Wilford Brimley clause. <laughs> you fucking got me here. <laughs> the WBC, the Wilford Brimley clause. <laughs> this, All right. This, this pay-per-view is a follow-up to the Survivor Series of 1991. Um, WWF trying to try, kind of test the waters on, can we get a pay-per-view audience on a weeknight? Um, which... Turned not into ne- in your house. Yeah, I was going to say not necessarily because in your houses were on Sunday. <clears throat> Excuse me, wah. but this was um, kind of the first test into that water—a shorter pay per view. Um, th- they didn't really try this until later on with Taboo Tuesday, did mm-hmm. they? Right. Yeah. This. They, yeah. Because that only this... lasted two years, so they had to. You yeah, know, the, this, really was working then. This was a die rate wise was a abysmal failure. It yes. was sad. Although. Bobby Heenan has has my favorite fucking quote of the entire night in this, where he says that, you know, he's like, the Undertaker killed Hulkamania at Survivor Series, and tonight he's going to bury him this Tuesday in Texas. (laughs) Fucking love that. Like, that is so good. Um, Yes, this is a follow-up to the Survivor Series with Hogan for the WWF title. Um flair with the chair and all that jazz, but we're not talking about that pay-per-view. We're talking about this one. Um, we start off with a, a, uh, interview mean Gene with the new champ and his manager, Paul bear. I love Gene's reaction. When undertaker opens the casket, Gene gives this like goofy. Oh, oh. um, but yeah, promo to start the show. Um, uh, um, um, uh, lesser known secret, um, inside that casket was the original Hulk Hogan sex tape. That's what Yes. <laughs> yes. It was called it was called Lust in Your Eyes eighty five. Yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, why don't you lead us through All right. I will do that. Texas. I have I have a bunch of notes. Is that the um, famous Aaron Maxon list? Yes. Oh. Um this comes from the San Antonio Freeman Coliseum, and I have on my notes that I missed that when buildings actually had names and not just mm-hmm. corporate sponsors. 
like you know the, the Staples uh, Center, the Staples Center, or the the Summer's Eve douche dome and <laughs> douche whatever they have, <laughs> douche bowl, <laughs> whatever they have now. Um, and oh, opening the show is my second favorite announced team of all time: Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And this might surprise you guys, but my first favorite announced team is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Both good. Yeah. Both good. Both good. Um, you guys have anything about the opening? Um, real quick, you had said that the the buy rate was horrible for this pay per view. Yeah. Do you guys think that if again we were talking off air about how much this cost and we said we thought it was um, like twenty nine ninety nine? Do you think that if they had done this like fifteen bucks or something? The buy right would have been better. No, you know, I see. I think that there wasn't a, there wasn't enough hype for it. They there there just wasn't enough time. Well, uh, Kyle, I actually have the numbers right here. Okay, the WWF earned approximately one hundred thousand dollars in ticket sales for eight thousand in attendance, and the pay per view buy rate received a one point oh, which equivalents to approximately four hundred thousand dollars. <sighs> They did basically. So, they did basically three days between, or I don't know, maybe a week, a week between this. If they would have done a month, they probably would have made a little bit more. But definitely. yeah, it, it was dumb that they did it this quick. Um, the opening match is Bret Hart, your reigning and defending Intercontinental Champion, taking on Skinner, also known as Steve Kern. That was one of the fabulous ones. Um, I'll say this: that when Bret comes out, this this. Obviously didn't open up the house show because as Archie mentioned off camera, there was plenty of dark matches. There are this, nine dark matches in total. This was the best way to open up the show because fucking Bret Hart coming out, he was over like goddamn rope. He got a pop like nobody else at this show. My my notes on this match are that I thought it was a really good wrestling match. These two, I mean, Steve Kern versus Bret Hart. Right. Uh, people, and, and this is one of my points I make sometimes about WWF people that want to be anti-WWF and it was cartoony and blah, blah, blah. But then I look at the card and I'm like, oh, okay. So you're going to say, oh, it was the Skinner versus Brett. No, it was Steve, Steve Kern, Kern versus Bret Hart. Right. It doesn't matter if he's wearing a plaid shirt or whatever. Right. Once the match starts, it's still Bret Hart versus Steve Kern. It, it's and also, also, I put, listen to this crowd. And I know we're in COVID, but let's go back to pre-COVID. Right. This is why... This is another example of why what what is there today doesn't work. This crowd is hot. Yeah. Like, like I, I put in my notes, when Brett comes out, like I said, he's over like Roger, and he hands out his glasses, and Bobby says Bobby says something fantastic. He, he's still being a heel, but he's putting Brett over, which Nate, Kyle, you guys – Listen to Bobby commentating. Mm-hmm. Bobby says funny shit about wrestlers, like the faces and shit, and he makes fun of them and everything. But he never, he never degrades them to the point where he doesn't put them over. Like, he, like, like Brett hands out his glasses, and um, Bobby hands it out. Like, like Brett gives the girl the glasses, and she freaks out and everything. And Bobby, he's like, "Oh, give her some oxygen. That bimbo's about to faint." <laughs> like, like, like Bobby's making a joke. And he's still putting over the fact that fucking Brett's got these women in the He's club. a rock star. He's yeah, he's a rock star. You know? And there's no and there's no denying, like when you watch this, that like, you know, in a year he's gonna be fucking champion. Right. 
Like, there's exactly. no wonder why. Because, like I said, yeah, he is. So, uh, real quick, you know, you're talking about Bobby Heenan. You know, another great thing I used to love about Bobby was is that he was a heel, like on commentary. As far as the sense of it, it'd be like, oh, if I was if I was Brad, I would. I would have, you know, brass knuckles or something. You right, know, poke or, him in the eye, you know. Yeah, I, I would do this or I would do that, you know, and then you have Monsoon like, oh, he's not going to do that. Well, he's stupid then. Right, right. <laughs> you know I'm saying, like, Bobby was a fantastic heel commentator in the fact that, like I said, he was a heel. He talked like a heel, but he didn't. And, and there were some of the lesser – stars that he'd put down or whatever, but when it came to like somebody like a Bret Hart or something like that, he he didn't he didn't like degrade them. You know what no, I mean? Or, no or, or make, yeah, like like he'd make fun of them but not their talent or their ability. Does nope. that make sense? Yeah, yeah well, no, it's, awesome. it's different than it is today because heel commentators today don't know when they want to be a heel or a face during commentary and they switch too much. And well, or, the whole or, way. Or, or they want to get themselves over. Yeah. Right. And here's the you thing, know? like, you know, no offense, but like with Bobby, Bobby had the fucking experience and you know, he had the resume. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Like like, like he, he don't have No, exactly. Like Bobby would make fun of Tito about like it like Tito's mom about like making the chili and all that. Right. And it was funny, <laughs> but it would also make people like Tito more. Right. You know I mean? like, oh, why is that guy making fun of this? Well, he actually told a story in the, his hatred for the wrestler. So well, he made a also, fan favorite into a fan favorite. You know, it, it yeah, also, like, you, you, oh, don't make fun of the guy's mom. That ain't right. You know, <laughs> type of thing. But Bobby wasn't worried about being a cool heel because right. the minute that Tito would fucking confront him, he'd be like, "Oh no, I never said it. I didn't. I it was monsoon. It was it was it was Gene. Yeah, he I said it. Mom. You know, I, I love her yeah. cooking. I love her. Yeah." That's what I'm saying. The thing that uh, I found incredible about this match, and it's going back to Steve Kern's ability, the fans actually started cheering for him at one point when they were him and Brett were having an exchange, and he had to turn around and make them hate him again. You know what I mean? So that goes on to say how good both these guys were in the ring, that the fans were cheering a good match, not a heel or a face. You know, I think that one of the guys today, and I know we're not talking about, you know, on a product a lot, but I think Kevin Owens is really good at that. Like the minute the people start to cheer him, he can turn it around on you. Yep, without a doubt. And, and that's something that's missing a lot in pro wrestling. Oh, now. without a doubt, without a so doubt. The, the next question I had on this, and and this will be a quick yes, no, yes, no, whatever. Um, then we'll start with Nate. Nate, you there, buddy? Skinner, good gimmick, bad gimmick. It's not a terrible gimmick. It's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a uh, box of gimmicks gimmick. I mean, at least, at least you have a little bit rooted in the truth with, um, with Kern being a Florida guy and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, as hokey as it is, uh, maybe a guy that wrestles gators can wrestle guys. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I it's a great I gimmick. I don't think it's Isaac Yankum crappy. You know, I think, but, it was a good, I think it was a great gimmick. Yeah. I, I like Skinner. I think the problem that we're seeing is that we're at the transition period where guys like Bret Hart, guys like Savage, guys, you know, 
you're not you yeah we have undertaker but like i said when you have undertaker who's a gimmick then you have skinner who's a gimmick then you have repo fan who's a gimmick you only have so many like i said and this is the time where you know guys are we're getting people are starting to get tired of the fucking gimmick wrestlers they want you know we don't want to see fucking skinner we want to see him actually as himself wrestling well, see, uh, to your point, Kyle, that's what I was going to say. Wrestlers have one or two opportunities when they're given a gimmick like this. Uh, you either transcend it like The Undertaker and live it and be, make it grow and continue to get better with it, or you flip the script like a rock or an Austin mm-hmm. because they were given a bad gimmick. You know, Dwayne Johnson, he's the blue chipper. He's, you know, he's Rocky Maivia, but then he switched it. No, I'm the rock and I'm who I am. Austin was just a badass Texan. So you have those two options. Would a guy like Skinner, Vince never gave him the chance to snap out of being an alligator wrestler and being Steve Kern. Because right. he could have. He could have just you said, guys, you know, I'm just not Skinner, I'm Steve Kern. Can I ask you, know? you guys a question? And then we got off, we're, we're off of the, the union representation and all that, but I do have a question I want to ask you guys. Do you think that if the wrestlers had protection... Do you think that they would take more risks? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like if Jeff they, Hardy case in point, he still takes risks even though he doesn't doesn't have the protection. You know, if 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 they had somebody who sit there and said, Hey, they can't just fire you just because. Right. Would you have some guys who sit there and say, like, well, nah, that's fucking shitty. I don't want to do that. Like, that's not right. gonna work. Well, I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin Owens, you mentioned him. He doesn't really get a script. He just goes out there and wings it. But that's because they trust him to do so. Right. If more guys were to take risk a little bit, you know, look, here's your script. Okay, I'm going to read it now. You know what? It sucks, but I'm going to take bits and pieces from it, hit my bullet points, and do what I'm supposed to do with it. Get over with it. Maybe Vince would let them take more risk, but a lot of guys aren't doing it. They're all sitting there, and like Aaron said, everybody's interchangeable now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? John Morrison could be Drew McIntyre tomorrow if they really wanted him to be. Yeah, but that, you know? we're, we're we're getting off topic here. Yeah, um, you know. um, quick brain thought, you know, about everything. The, 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 these these the, two guys went fifteen, fourteen minutes, and it was a great match. And and it also has the best line of the entire show. And then we'll. Okay. I, I have two points. One, Bret Hart takes the best. Um, nobody's ever done or never will do the best chest first mm. into the turnbuckle. Oh, nobody does it better doubt. than that. Nobody does it better than that. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, he, oh God, the way he hits it, the fucking I thought sound his chest was going to cave in every time. Oh. Watch Brett. Nobody does it better. But, but, girl, and this will be the last thing we say about this match. Brett, or sorry, Bobby says, Skinner's tough. He lives in a sleeping bag in the bush on the ground. He's super <laughs> tough. And Gorilla Monsoon says, he's not tough. He's just cheap. He won't even rent a place. <laughs> Gorilla that, was Monsoon, wonder- that was the best thing about Gorilla the best and Bobby. Fucking joke in the whole thing. So perfectly. Well, that was the great thing about Monsoon, man. Like, yeah, Skinner's not he, tough. He he's just always- cheap. He won't, he won't even rent an apartment. It's great. He didn't always make like those fucking those those witty comebacks, but boy, what he did! 
It was the line of the night. (laughs) So the next thing up is uh, an interview with Jake Roberts with Sean Mooney building up Macho Man versus uh, Jake. Huh? Yeah, I got it. Uh, Sean Mooney interviewing uh, Jake Snake about um, his feud with the Macho Man. And this is one of these one of the greatest feuds in professional wrestling history. It's It's two fucking psychopaths. Like legitimate psychopaths, like I shouldn't say psychopath, maybe sociopaths. Um, can I can I ask a question, guys? Because yes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the timeline. Like I said, it's been forever since I've what went back and watched '92 WWF or whatever. But is this before or after Snake the Snake fights fucking Savage? That's after. That fucking that oh that moment. Fucking fucked me up when I was a kid, man. Right, and then when you hear that, that, that moment led to this. Yeah, when you when you hear Jake talk about it now, that he shook the snake extra to make it bite stronger onto Randy's arm, and Randy wasn't sure if the snake was really venomized or not. It's like it's so it makes you get chills because you think back to that moment. Like just of to the, see that fucking snake fucking latch on, it's like yeah, ah! the blood dripping. You know? Of the go- of the golden age of the WWF, meaning the rock and wrestling era into the early nineties, the two best angles that company ever did were Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan leading to WrestleMania three and this one. I agree. My opinion. I agree. Uh, this Jake has in this feud the most effective heel heat mm-hmm. that any heel ever had in that era well if you this this whole feud started or got started because jake turned on warrior when he was training him to fight undertaker and then now it's jake and the undertaker and jake goes after macho and then he smacks elizabeth before the snake bites he puts the snake on macho man and he Mm -hmm. starts cursing at her and screaming that that was like it, oh, he grabbed her. He didn't smack her. Yeah, he grabbed her. Right, right. But you, you understand, he got physical with a woman, which was not something we saw happen in WWF in these days. And you know, the, and it, the crazy it, part, the crazy part, like when you brought up Warrior, the crazy part is, if the guy wouldn't have been a fucking flake and left, we would have never got it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Warrior wouldn't have left. Right. And right. and you move into the match, and like Savage and Jake. Like Jake cuts a real like stoic promo, and then Randy cuts his crazy eye. Uh, right. it, it's all, it's almost the cl- and, and Nate, you'll understand this. It's almost the closest to like Memphis ICW. That that's Jake, what I actually that's what Savage I actually, never got. That's what I actually have in my notes about his promo after the match. Yeah, it, but he, going into it too. Yeah, but his, really post, quiet, his post really his post match. Yeah, his post match promo in this is like an ICW promo. Yeah, and, 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 and Savage attacks him, and it's fucking nuts at the beginning because Randy's wearing his, his cool-ass jacket, and he's got that yep. big feather. <laughs> like, it's insane. <laughs> like, 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 the big feather makes it even more insane. He's, he's, um, he's, Yankee, he's Yankee Doodle Randy. <laughs> <laughs> With that big-ass feather. Yeah, the drug's talking, buddy. That's pretty funny. <laughs> do it more often. Um, and, and this is my favorite Jake Roberts. Like, like, 
because and when I say this is my favorite Jake Roberts, this is even the Jake Roberts to transition into WCW when he was there for like a hot minute. Like Jake and I, 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 I'm a huge Jake Snake Roberts wrestling, and I'm not a Jake Snake Roberts person fan. I'm a great Jake the Snake Roberts wrestling fan. Jake should have never been a face, never, in my opinion, never. The fans turned him though. I know, but you remember the, but you remember the, you remember the story about uh, he was going to get the run with Hogan, and then they went out and did the the snake yeah, pit. He got, yeah, he got he got he got he got more cheers than Hogan did, and Vince is like, "Sorry, pal, he got the worst luck in the world." Yeah. Um, another note I have in here is that it's very easy to forget how big of a dude Jake Roberts is. Mm-hmm. Right. You like, don't re- he gives off a smaller impression on TV. Like he worked he worked with the guys like Rick Rude and, and Andre and and, uh, and like Bad News Brown and shit. But when he put him in there with Savage, who is he, dwar- who was, he dwarfs Macho Man? <laughs> yeah, who was always like Savage was always like a like a Shawn Michaels in the WWF, where they were like, oh, this guy's like two hundred. He's shot. They'd always be like Shawn Michaels two hundred thirty five pounds. It's like Shawn Michaels ain't two hundred thirty five. Shawn Michaels one hundred eighty five pounds, and they did the same thing with Savage. So when Jake's in there with him, it's like, it, it's, man, I forgot. Like Jake's a right. Jake's a tall, big, thick motherfucker. Um, I mean, look at his fucking dad. Yeah, look at Cruiser Smith. That motherfucker was like a goddamn tree trunk and a pervert. Yeah, um, my only qualm with this match is that it, how short it was. It was se- less than seven minutes, and they should have gotten like I don't know. And, that, and that's it's, in my notes. That's in my notes. You know, I mean, like, and then the next match is like 13 minutes, and it's British Bulldog versus Warlord. Yeah, I'd rather but, see, I'd rather see Jake versus Savage than I would Warlord versus Bulldog. I'll be. I know, that, that, that's somewhat in my notes. And I, put again, the, the, I, I put the. Oh, sorry, Kyle. No, and, that, and that's again what I was saying. Like with the 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 fucking price for this, like you're not getting very long matches. Like even with you know, because this is what a five match card. Yeah, this, this is my thing with this match. It's a three star match. It's a good match. It opens oh, yeah. hard. It it, it it opens. I should say opens hard. It, it opens hot. It, it, it's good through the wet all through the end. It's a weird quick finish, but the reason is is the match itself is three stars, but the post match is a five right. fucking stars. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why the match was seven minutes. Is what they did at the end of it. You couldn't have done in a match. Fucking Jake pulls the snake out from, from underneath the ring. Miss Liz comes out to protect Macho Man. Every single goddamn person in this post-match angle does their job right. Savage does his job right. Liz does his, does her job right. Jake does her Jake does his job right. And this is going to sound weird. Fucking Earl Hebner does a fantastic fucking job in this thing. Oh, without a doubt. Watch, watch Earl during this entire thing. During this entire thing, he's saying, no, Jake, no, man, don't do that. It, it, like, like He's like, this, this has gone too far, and, and he keeps looking back like, who the fuck is going to come out and help me with this situation? Even, on the, even on the take, Tunney does his best during this. <laughs> yep. Everybody, this post-match thing did more than the seven minutes in the match. No, See, I this, agree. And this is why, why I don't understand why they don't allow us to 
get familiar with referees now. Unless it's a woman. The, the women ref we get to know the women referees yeah. as well for some reason. But I mean it's just like this. It's like you knew what Earl Hebner stood for. You knew what right. you know. Right. It wasn't the screw job yet. He wasn't about to screw <laughs> True, yeah. No, but top to bottom this match was good. The aftermath was good of it was good too. And I mean it the feud all to, from from the moment the feud started to the moment the feud ended. It was great, and then Jake went on to do have his feud with the Undertaker, which was still good. Can I tell you guys a quick story about Earl Hebner? Sure. There was a couple years ago. It was me, Aaron, and Nate, uh, and it was when Sean was really young. We went and watched TNA at Fort Wayne Coliseum, mm-hmm. and Earl was there. And he fucking like halfway through the match, he was doing. He fucking took his shirt off. He had a referee shirt on, and he says, "I screwed Brett," and I was like, "Oh, Earl." <laughs> yep. Oh, Earl. Good job with that heel heat, Earl. Yeah. So, so the the post match the post match of this is is riveting. Oh. It's riveting, and and I want to tell you guys something. When I was watching this match or this pay per view to review it, um, the the Alex Trebek of this podcast, my wife Kendall, was sitting there with me and. Here's how I'm going to tell you people that Jake Roberts is one of the most effective heels in the history of wrestling. She doesn't really know who Jake the Snake Roberts is. I mean, she incendiarily knows, you know, that's a guy that exists. But as I'm watching this show, when he cuts his post-match promo after this match, some of the language he uses, some of the references he makes, some of the things he alludes to, she said, and I quote, this guy's making me uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> and you know what? That is exactly, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, that is yep. exactly the point. This guy's making me uncomfortable. Well, fuck, he's doing his goddamn job right. tonight. He is earning his money tonight. Because you, you who don't even know who the fuck he is, you know, coming in, coming in blind, Right. Like this guy's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. And I was I the minute she said that, I wrote it down. I was like, this is effective. Obviously. Even to today. Even in today's, hey, you know what I mean? Hey, hey, hey. Kendall and Hugo Savinovich have one thing in common. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get away from you, Jake. I gotta get away from you. You're I gotta, gonna, I gotta get away from you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the next match is the Warlord versus the British Bulldog. And this is favorite good, two muscular good, men fighting in underwear. Good God, this is fucking terrible. Why did they get thirteen minutes? They had to get oh. that. Full, they had to get that full Nelson spot in there because that fucking thing went forever. Aaron, all they did was clothesline and punch each other. Oh, don't forget the don't forget the eight minute full Nelson. Yeah, um, and, and Harvey Whippleman. Harvey Whippleman's like the the Ollie's discount manager of the WWF. Without a doubt. It, it, it <laughs> well just, said. It's just fucking trash. Um, Bulldog wins with the crucifix. That's this, all I have to say about This should have been on Superstars on a Saturday morning. It should not have been on a pay-per-view. Ever. Their match, uh, what, Six or seven months earlier, WrestleMania was much better than this. They they actually and had a decent match at WrestleMania Seven, um, but yeah, 
WWF stretching this out, and everybody knows that I'm the world's only warlord, Mark. I, I like the warlord. I, I always did. Warlord. This was trash. Yeah, I this was a bad match. I liked the warlord before he donned the black Spartan outfit with the silver mask. You know, powers of pain, warlord, great guy. Warlord hey, Archie, sleep, you know, Archie, talking figures. Yeah, talking figures. The uh, the warlord WWE elite is with the awesome. staff. Oh, that's, that's one awesome. of my favorite figures. It's one of my remove, favorite figures. You could remove everything, but the Hasbro, you could stuck with a head that has a big silver face mask on yeah. it. Yeah. Black, black shoulder pads. Well, I don't know what comes off of the, the, the elite figure because frankly I won it from you and it was autographed, so I've never yep. opened it. But yep. I remember anyway. <laughs> Nate, you know what's funny? Wanna hear something funny, Nate? What's that? This interview, Sean Mooney interviewing Randy Savage. Little dash. I always put a little dash next to the comments they want to make. And I said, never mind. This is the closest Randy Savage ever got to an ICW promo in the WWE. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a little drunk when I made these notes. He's am- he is he is amazing in this promo. He's amazing. Like you're just you're glued. You're glued to your fucking TV. Like this guy's insane. Okay, I knew he was insane, but now somebody beat up his old lady. He's really fucking insane. Right, Kyle. I'm going to ask you guys honest question. If you haven't, that's fine. Have you ever watched ICW Randy Savage promos? Nope. Take your time out when we're done to watch. Just type in ICW Randy Savage promo. And let me tell you something. Fucking amazing. The WWF would take guys, okay, and we say, you have this gimmick. Let's turn it up a little bit. Like, they took, like, Hulk Hogan. Let's turn it up a little bit. Bruce Beefcake, let's turn it up a little bit. Coco Beware, let's turn it up a little bit. When they signed Randy Savage, they were like, we got to turn this down. Yeah, the only (laughs) The only two guys they ever said that to were Savage and Piper. Yeah, he's like, you Savage did it. Out. Savage did it, and Piper didn't listen because he was Piper. But I'm going to tell you guys this right now just to, just to tell you how excellent that ICW stuff is. If you listen to the show, you know I'm not, I'm not very much a fan of Ronnie Garvin. I don't know why. I hate him. But... The feud between Randy Savage and Ronnie Garvin and ICW is the best thing Ronnie Garvin ever did. Um, so there's that. I'll just put that out there. Me giving some compliments to Ronnie Garvin because of Randy Savage and ICW. I'm going to kill you, man. Nate. I'm going to kill you, man. <laughs> Nate, can we have a future episode where you and I just like speak bluntly about wrestlers that we really hate with a bloody passion? Please. Okay. Please. Can do that. You Aaron's guys are got, invited too, Aaron. Aaron Kyle, Aaron's got too. Spike Dudley on that list. Okay, Spike Dudley, Brutus Beefcake. I can't. I can't wait till we get to Spike right, Dudley right. stuff on reliving the extreme. Well, you still got like eight years before that happened. Yeah. Only <laughs> the next match is Ted DiBiase with the Repo Man taking on Tito Santana and Virgil. And right. my my first note is I don't give a fuck who disagrees. The repo man was fucking awesome. 
it, it was a crack up gimmick. I won't lie. It was pretty funny. Here's the thing that I watched this and I was wondering, I'm like, okay, cause I know that we're going to go into IRS and, and Ted DiBiase, but how fun would it have been to have Ted DiBiase give people loans and stuff like that? And then have right. the repo man be the one to fucking go and repossess it and stuff. Right. And, and, and see, Kyle, that's not too far off. Because, like I was telling you guys, this was a a house show that became a pay-per-view. And what did the WWF do on house shows? What was what was a house test, show? They were testing things out. It was a right. test. And I guarantee that this was not the first time that Ted DiBiase and Repo Man teamed no, it up. Wasn't. And it wasn't. I, I guarantee that there was a thought process before they came up with IRS that let's have Ted DiBiase have the Repo Man. But see, I would have liked it to see it as IRS, Repo Man, and Ted DiBiase. I, 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 and I get what you're saying. You and both I mean? You're right. But I, I'm telling you, that's what it... I can tell that that's what this originally yeah, was. they were waiting. And this had probably been... They'd probably done this fucking Repo Man, Ted DiBiase... Virgil Tito Santana match like ten times by now. Ten times by now. Yeah. And, and and probably put it on TV and it probably when they watched it on Tuesday in Texas probably didn't take it work out as well. Or they said, Hey, we just got rotundas, let's let's do this instead. Right. So 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 you're not too far off, Kyle. That's what the that's what they were intending to do, and then they just changed they right. tweaked well, it. And it, it makes me sad because man, I wish to God we could have seen that. Oh, yeah, how much fucking fun that would have been. Change the Repo Man outfit to all black with gold tire stripes on it instead of yep. the black with the gray. <laughs> um, and, and this is... This match has three great talents in it, and it also has Virgil. Um, you, you mean Repo Man, Sherry, and DiBiase, right? Not Tito and Virgil in any oh, way, Oh, Tito, right? no. Don't knock Tito Santana, brother. I'll knock you I love you, as but, much but, as I want. I love you, brother. I never but saw, don't, I don't never knock saw the good goddamn name of Tito Santana. I never saw the appeal. He's fucking great. No, uh, he's not. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Calm down. Thank you. Calm down. <laughs> um, in this match, um, Ted DBS, he tries to do something. I can't remember what the spot was, but Gorilla Monsoon goes, Ted DiBiase just went bust. And Bobby goes, what bust? You talking about Sherry? <laughs> uh, that was a funny line because Sherry has some big old memories. Um, this was also, and, and I know you guys were like talking about like, oh, why is Tito versus Virgil or Tito and Virgil versus uh, Ted DiBiase and the Repo Man on this? It's because Vince McMahon knows how to build a card. And what this was, this was a come-down match. Right. Like we just watched all that fucking insanity and everything with um, um, Savage. Because I, I, this match, this this pay-per-view wasn't live. I, I, I don't care anybody. I don't think it was live. Nate, am I wrong? I'm pretty sure it was live. Was it? I, I just... To, to me, this is... Okay, man, I, I might be wrong, but th- to me, this felt like the come down match of the show. Like they put this out there just to. Well, they had the gap in between Savage and and, and Roberts and Hogan and Taker. Yes, I agree. Yeah. 
You know, and they gave the fans a solid twenty-five minutes in between. So, and 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 I know um, Tito hated the El Matador gimmick after he got it because it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. Right. But I thought the El Matador gimmick. I thought the the look of it was cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they gave him a pretty. I mean, the, the outfit and the music was not bad. Um, I think the problem was is there was really nobody Tito could have feuded with at this time. They tried to put him against Shawn Michaels, who was on the rise as a solo. It wasn't working. They tried to put him against Repo Man. That didn't really work. It just he wasn't gelling with anybody. You he know? was on the short. He was on the short list to beat Flair for the title. Yeah, we needed Mantar a couple of years earlier. What? Could you imagine Mantar versus El Matador? That would have been fantastic. <laughs> Tito actually sticks him with a knife through the, the paper mache head. He's got the towel and all that shit. That, been, <laughs> that might have been that might have been that might have not been a bad feud. You know. Mantar versus El Matador would have been fun. Um DiBiase and Virgil or DiBiase and Virgil. DiBiase and Repo win. I didn't As put they down. The, they didn't put down what the finish was. Sorry, I missed that. But I'm sure it was fantastic. Um, anybody else have anything else on that? Nope. Um, I just would like to know: Was I the only one who had a crush on Sherry Martel when I was younger and watching nope. these, her in WWF? Nope. nope. She was gorgeous. <clears throat> a little heart tattoo on her titty when she managed Sean. Sean Michaels. Yep. <laughs> The outfit for the SummerSlam in London, fantastic. Yeah, that was white, like, white outfit with the cutout butt cheeks was great. Yeah. She, wasn't my, she wasn't my hands down favorite, but she was. Converted. Well, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was definitely my favorite, but that was the, she was the, Elizabeth was the angel and Sherry was the devil. Converting con, uh, converting into puberty, me was like, I'll be your sexy boy. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes, I, I am with you on that one, Arch. And also, she is, she's the greatest female performer in pro wrestling. Without a doubt. Period. End of story. Fuck Moolah. Sherry. Sherry is the greatest. And and I love Liz for what Liz was, for what she was uh, intended to do. Liz was great. You can't compare Liz to Sherry. I know. I know. I'm just saying. And I'm not saying even off of like, oh, Sherry's this and Liz is that. Like, Liz was beautiful and everything. And she served her purpose, but nobody, no, no female talent was better than Sherry Martell. No, nope. great, I agree. Best ever. Like I've, I've never watched a female be able to strike a wrestler and make it and, look real and believe it more than all right. Sherry could probably because well, she used to come back. Yeah, that guy. She and, used and to I, come from back here, Aaron, and connect, and it was like, damn. And that's what I'm saying. And plus, you you, you, can see, you look at her, she's it's like, that's a tough broad, right? You know. And then I've never seen a female get like beat up by a wrestler and be like, that's uncomfortable. And on top of all that, does that you, make sense? Like, like yeah, you're not uncomfortable yeah. when Sherry gets beat up because you're like, she's uh, a tough broad, and on, she's pretty, and she looks on top. Pretty. On top of all that. It's obviously she's effective because you know, watching it, that that's her, right? You know, yeah. like I mean, one of the funniest moments ever is at the Hall of Fame when she's getting inducted, and she's talking all this shit about Eric Bischoff, 
And then they show they show they show they show Eric Bischoff on the camera on the screen, and she goes, "Oh, I thought you were gone." (laughs) (laughs) My my favorite my my favorite thing with her going, "I thought you were gone" was cool. My favorite thing is when she when she was like, "I want to tell you about this time I was in." Tulsa or whatever with Ric Flair and Ric Flair's like no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no my new wife is here my, my new wife, wife my here. kids are here please stop the only yeah. time I ever felt bad for Sherry was when she was feuding with Medusa and WCW and Medusa legitimately dropped her on her head and concussed her and she was knocked out for like five minutes that was the only time I went wow Sherry got messed up you know what I mean? Yeah. But other than that, other like Aaron said, she was believable in beating somebody up or taking a beating. You know. So next we have a Hogan promo, and I have one note about this promo. He uh he uh he uh what the fuck was that about? He uh he uh he uh, didn't know. He was just trying to get in there and get out. This was a, a t- this was during the time I couldn't stand I started to, my hatred for Hulk Hogan. Even though I was young, it stopped being believable. I think he because, added a. I think he added the fourth commandment because they figured eventually we might have to take fucking vitamins off of there because vitamins and there's a steroid trial going on. We might need. <laughs> we might need a fourth commandment. You know, um, just. I got, I got. I got notes on this. Um, Undertaker coming out when he came out with Paul Bearer and he was dragging the belt. That was cool as shit. Definitely. Mm-hmm. One like, of the first guys I, to do it, too. Everybody else wore it or had it. I think the only guy to ever do it. Nobody ever else dragged the belt. Well, a couple it guys can really hold it on their shoulder the right way or they'll turn it upside down or something. You know, well, I, I know that, down. but I'm just saying, like, a guy just, like... And there you like, go. That, sh- that shows you why he turned it into the greatest gimmick that wasn't supposed to be great. Because right. yeah, and, and, he and realized... He this, yeah, and he had this gimmick for, like, what? A year? A year. Literally, yeah, and, 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 and yeah. I know we haven't talked about him, and we're not going to on this show because we want to keep it like succinct or whatever. I guarantee, I shouldn't say I guarantee because I can't guarantee anything, but I, 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 I have a strong feeling that Mark Calloway might have went to go put on the belt, and there might have been a flamboyant, great thinking French Canadian. That was probably like you should probably find the belt behind you, right? Or also, like I said, it could have been, and and I don't doubt that at all. But between him and said flamboyant French Canadian, realizing this guy wouldn't give a shit whether he was the champion or not, right? Yeah, his manager, his manager, who's making money off of this, would, but the Undertaker character. Wouldn't care at all right. whether he yeah. was a champion. And and Arch, like you were saying, like you were kind of weaning off of Hulk Hogan. You weren't like a big fan of him or whatever. But yeah, knock him all you want. When Hulk Hogan came out in front of this fucking crowd, man, they were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was at it, still at a time when Hulkamania was at its height and he was still getting, you know, women, children, and grown men to cheer for him. But it, the thing that made it not believable for me with him anymore was even in the loss to The Undertaker at the Survivor Series, he kicked out, you know, and made it a dusty finish in so many ways. 
because I can't lose cleanly. I have to lose, you know, by and I ain't putting over the Undertaker. And, and, and see, and see, you know? I'll, I'll I'll give you that. And this one really had a dusty finish, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Nate got what I was saying. That Hogan thing was what I'm going to talk about. Is that this was a like they did that one because they were telling a long. Right, odd story on this, which was leading to the Rumble, and right, they were going from Survivor Series to the Rumble, which was something they didn't really do that often. Yeah, and, and that's you know? what I'm saying. Like they did the kick out on that one. They could have said, "Oh, I didn't get the three. Then they do the ashy finish at the end of this, right? And, and, and that leads into that. Like, so I, I don't think that was Hogan attempting to, quote unquote, bury the Undertaker on that. I think it was. I think that was well. A, there's stories, there's stories that go behind that say that Hogan went back to this locker room after the first match with Taker and said, he hurt me. Oh, and yeah. That, 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 that's you a true thing. But I'm and, just saying. When, with you, look take- at what it, you, know, you look at the big picture of it all. Flair wins the Royal Rumble and wins the title. Why? Because Hogan wouldn't put Flair over to give him the title. So it all go. That's where I started to understand a little bit. Even as I was only nine or ten at the time, I understood this guy is more full of himself than anything and doesn't want to put anybody over. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and, I'm just saying, I think that, that kick out or whatever, at the end of that, that wasn't Hogan going I in business for himself. That. that was them doing the, well, doing well, the, doing the long haul of the story. I, I um, know what you're saying. Something else Hogan doesn't get enough credit for is his selling ability. Hogan's a hell of a seller. And well, he wants to, yes. You watch any his 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 entire his entire babyface run in the WWF was predicated on selling. Um the the epitome of the Hulk Hogan character in the eighties was he was always up against a monster or someone who had turned on him that may or may not have been vicious. So every one of his matches, his main event matches anyway, I mean, I'm not talking about a match with Dwayne Gill or whatever, but every one of his main event matches had to be the majority Hulk Hogan selling so that the crowd gets into it thinking this heel has an opportunity to beat the Hulkster. Yes, and I agree with you on that. In WWF, yes, that's what he did. But the turnaround is in 93 till about 96 WCW, he got even with all those guys that he had to sell for because he didn't sell for nobody in WCW. Well, and yeah, and that's that's the, the you know what the, I mean. And that's that's another um, what do I want to say? That's another evidence of Vince McMahon's genius because even though Vince McMahon, you know, made Hulk Hogan his top star and he was the main guy in the company, etc., Vince McMahon knew we have to put you. In peril, right? Or no, or no one's going to believe when you get to well, the main event match. Whereas in WCW, when he got there and they sucked his ass and let him do whatever he wanted, right? They gave him creative control, you know. And uh, then it was it was goofy, and it it was you know he. Sh- I mean, the biggest evidence of Hulk Hogan's creative control being out of control. Definitely. And and I want everybody to chime in on this quick and then we'll get to the we'll get we'll finish up the show, but is or is not the biggest evidence of 
of Hulk Hogan's creative control being detrimental to business, Hogan and Vader. Oh, without a doubt. He changed yeah. Vader out of WCW, basically. Well, Hulk Hogan had the best big man in the business at the time yep. in the ring with him, and he made him look like a Jay Brown. And it I was agree. pathetic. It was pathetic. Yeah. I agree. Can I say and my Vader one? Vader never recovered. Go ahead. Can I say my one statement about Hulk Hogan? Everybody talks about Hulk Hogan turning heel in WCW. Okay. Like when he started the NWO. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan was always a heel. Was always. a fucking heel his whole goddamn career. Always. He, he stole the title shot from Bob Backlund. Like Bob Backlund should have got the rematch against the Iron Sheik, but he was hurt. So Hulk Hogan was like, I'll take it. So he steals it from him. Then. He, he won't give his buddy a shot and he keeps his buddy down for like three years. Won't give Andre a shot. Then it, then his buddy pins him and he's got this fucking crooked referee that helps him fucking win that goddamn match. <laughs> yep. Oh, then what else happens? What happens after that? Oh, oh, he tries to, he tries to fuck his <laughs> his best friend's his wife. Best or friend's wife. He's got lust um, in his eyes. Yeah, uh, 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 what 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 else happens after that? Um, I, I, I he eliminates had to, he eliminates Sid in the Royal Rumble for no reason after he no, got eliminated. No, 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 Sid, Sid eliminates him and then he bitches about no, it. No, but, like, but then he pulls the but then saying like, oh, he, ring, he, he legitimately gets dumped out of the ring and he's like, hey, what the fuck, man? And then he right. pulls him out of the ring. Right. Damn. 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 Huh? Oh, oh, the Damn. best of them all. He runs down during after Brett loses to Yoko and steals the title from Yokozuna. Oh no! Yeah. Wait, here's the best one of them all. He doesn't right. take Paul Orndorff's phone call. Yeah, he won't. He won't answer the phone when his friends calling him. <laughs> and then at the end of this thing, I'm going to sum it up. At the end of this thing, he does the shittiest thing. He throws this guy's dead parents in his face. <laughs> <laughs> That is the worst. Hulk Hogan's a piece of shit. All <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that pales in the comparison. Pales in comparison to Hulk Hogan and his opinion on black people. Right. <laughs> right. Let's not forget that. And his, sex, <laughs> and his sex tape sucked. I'm sorry I paid Gonker for it. <laughs> <laughs> or the creepy, the creepy relationship he has with his daughter. Yeah, that's All right. he has with Trump, brother. All right, oh, let's get back oh. to that match. We got real weird. All of a sudden, let's get back to this match. We didn't get yeah, weird. I don't know where you guys go. I'm just saying, Hulk Hogan's been a heel his entire yeah. fucking career. Oh, without a doubt, got weird. Maybe. Uh, so they got 13 minutes. Hogan wins with a really weird ass finish. Uh, Dusty finishes, Aaron said. <laughs> and then the title gets held up. And, and, and something else I put in my notes, and this is like the only time I think you could really put it in my notes, is Undertaker botches in this match. There's like one botch in this entire match, and Taker did it. 
Did you guys see that? Well, no, yeah. I didn't. no, it's it's when they're doing their like Hogan is making a his his middle comeback in the match before he starts selling again, and they go to hit the ropes and fucking Taker slips and fucking hits the ropes and almost falls out of the fucking ring. And Bobby tries to sell it by like, oh, there's been four matches in the ring and it's probably slippery right now. But yeah, fucking Taker falls in his fucking ass in this match. Wouldn't you fucking be nervous? I'm sure it was nerves because wouldn't you be fucking nervous? Oh, no, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying like this this is the only time I've ever seen Mark Calloway botch anything in his entire career. It is good because you're coming back months. from the whole fucking Hogan being like, oh, you hurt me, brother. 13 months earlier, he thought he was going to be Eggman. Here he is now as the world heavyweight champion against Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Which, <laughs> have you ever seen H- Taker talk about that with Hogan? Yep. yep. It's fucking he's, hilarious. He's terrified. <laughs> well, no, it's just funny, like, the way Hogan fucking acts. Like, he's like, because he's like, he's like, Hogan's like, take care of my neck, brother. Take care of my neck. And he's like, I fucking dropped him down. As soon as I dropped him, he said, oh, you got me, brother. You got me. Mm-mm. It's like, God damn it, Hogan. He was going to tell him he got him no matter what. He could have laid him down on the floor like a baby. Fuck yeah, he was. He was going to tell him he got him. <laughs> so, an interesting note, as we talked about earlier in the show, there were nine freaking dark matches. Mm-hmm before this pay-per-view started because it was meant to be a house show. I didn't know they did 14 matches on a house show to begin with, but they did. And the first opener of the night was Ron and Don Harris, who must have been pretty damn young at this point because they were, you know, they were 20-something when they were the Blues Brothers in WWE, the Bruce Brothers, whatever they were. And they defeated Brian Costello and Brian Donahue. I've never heard of these guys. Have either one of you? Nope. His Aaron. brother Phil. I know that I know Phil. Oh, you know Phil. <laughs> but I don't know Brian. <laughs> then okay. Sir Charles takes on Dale Wolf. I've never heard of either one of those guys. Dale Wolf is a jobber, and um, I actually know who Sir Charles is. Okay, and who is he? Sir Charles would have been Papa Shango. Ah, okay. Now, Chris Walker takes on Brian and, and, Lee. And, and Nate can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was... Well, here. Charles, I'll right. click on the... Yep, you're right. It goes to the Godfather's Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Sir Charles is the Godfather. Yeah. Chris Walker takes on Brian Lee. Brian Lee was the uh, fake Undertaker. Oh, my God. Damn. Chris Walker versus Chris Brian Walker. Lee would have yeah, been terrible. Right. Now, this is the one that confuses me. Chris Chavez. Is that possibly... That's Tonka? Yeah. Tonka. Versus J.W. Storm. I'm not sure who that is. I don't know who that is. And Hold actually, in his, in his first uh, introduction promos in the WWF in late 91, early 92, he was actually referred to as Tatanka, Chris Chavis. Right. Exactly. That's Fucking why I was sure. man. Chris Chavis, uh, that dude was thick as fuck. He's a Oh, he was. Yeah. Uh, then we had Greg Valentine ver- defeating the Brooklyn Brawler. Um. <laughs> Then we had the Nasty Boys defeating the Bushwhackers. Both Ugh. have been guests in the Virtual Asylum. Uh, this was the match I'm surprised did not make the pay-per-view. Both of them, actually. Legion of Doom defeats the Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. But then in the very next match, the Legion of Doom also defeats the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon. I'm sure, at least, 
I'm sure at least one of those matches was taped for a super tape or something. You right. know, right? I'm more than probably sure Doom Disasters. I've never right. seen the Rockers fight the Legion of Doom. I've yeah, never it, seen that. It seems like a mismatch. And then the final dark match before the pay per view began, which this one throws me for a loop that it was not on the pay per view. Yep. Ric Flair versus defeats Rowdy Piper. How did they not let those two fight and at least give them 10 minutes? You know, they had um, they had that rivalry. Yeah. And they never had a singles match on TV that I that I recall. Nope. They came face to face a couple times. And then at the Royal Rumble, they had a couple of, you know, threw some shots, but never had a one on one match in WWF. So you know what the funniest thing at all that is? What? Out of everything he just listed is like. In my mind, I'm like, I wonder what the Sir Charles gimmick was. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right. That? right. Did he come out in a tuxedo? You know yeah, what I mean? Sir Charles. I want to see You that. know? <laughs> or was he acting like Charles Barkley? And he came out in a basketball jersey. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very matched. And he's like, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. No. Now, okay, here's the, he debuted as Sir Charles at Tuesday night in Texas in a dark match, and then all of a sudden, no, you're going to be Papa Chango. We, we don't want Sir Charles. We want Papa Chango. Which is an underrated gimmick, by the way. It is. Oh, yeah. It is. All of, I'll be honest, all of his gimmicks were good. The, the, the Supreme Fighting Machine was just ahead of its time. Because a couple of years later, they have Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock in, so he could have went with right. them. Yeah. You know? Overall, surprisingly, I actually gave this show three and a half out of five. I gave it three. Because I think that overall, this was, I mean, other than, I mean, Warlord and Bulldog could have been good if you would have just made it six minutes. Right. Um, and actually let them fight instead of just throwing clotheslines. Right. Of Paul Nelson. I think overall, you know, judging by the opener, which was a great opener, the Jake and Savage stuff, which is seven stars in the Tokyo Dome or anywhere else. Um, the main event, the controversy, setting up the ne- the next angle, setting up the next storyline. Um, it was an effective show. It was a good show. It was. I never, was I never. Term storytelling. Other than, like, like I said, other than Bulldog and Warlord going too long, at no point in the show was like Jesus Christ. You know, is this going to be over soon? It was. It was a good show. No, so I, I agree. Apparently, according to what I'm reading here. They have a picture of Sir Charles, the Godfather, and he looks like a skinny version of Mabel. <laughs> He's got Oof. the fucking. Can we see? I need to see. Hold on. What did you? What did you? What did you search? Okay, that's what he also looked like in USWA as the Spellbinder. Yeah. So they're saying that that is what he kind of looks like when he, and it was a playoff wow. of Charles Barkley. It was okay. <laughs> it was so well. That was, was terrible. That, that was, was terrible. a terrible idea. I'm glad they went with Papa Shango. You want Pat Patterson in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> 90s guys, look at this. Who? That's Randy Orton. Yeah, he looks like a Backstreet Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
What did you guys think of the show? What did you give the show? I agree with you. Three and a half is good. Yeah. I don't agree with you. <laughs> you should have a point. I gave it three and I gave it three and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be different. <clears throat> well, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I will let the gentlemen's here with me. Gentlemen's the gentlemen's. I'm like Santino Morello right now. You <laughs> the gentlemen's. Um Kyle, any parting words for our listeners? Nope. I just want everybody to know I've done this show on, on uh, <laughs> I've done this show on Vicodin and ice cream, so it's been a fun show. Ooh, Archie, it's my Sunday like night. My, it's my Saturday night. I was just about to say, um, guys, just continue to support the page. Uh, Nate has a giveaway up for a Ring of Honor uh, World Heavyweight Title. Uh, if we can get the four hundred members before December is over, invite your friends, invite your mom, invite your baby <laughs> mama, as long as they like wrestling. Um. Continue but don't let her bring her fucking drama in here. Yeah, yeah. Tell her to keep that stuff at home. Unless she's um, got Vicodin. <laughs> and ice cream. <laughs> and she's single because Aaron's looking. Uh, <laughs> 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 no um, fat rods, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry Martell's an up, please. No, but just continue Sorry to support the, the fat rods thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> You're right <on> that. <laughs> Aaron's getting so much hate mail tomorrow. <laughs> well, I just want to say, ladies, that I love each and every one of you, and I respect <laughs> you. And each and every one of you are beautiful the way you are. Don't hey, Kyle. Anything. Kyle, I don't yeah. believe it's in your contract to use the show as your own private Tinder. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> We're not paying him by the pound, buddy. <laughs> oh my God! Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's time we sign off uh, before we get in trouble. Well, congratulations, Aaron. You're only ever going to sell one fucking t-shirt. <laughs> At least I won't get trampled. Oh, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for joining us on this edition of the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. And as always, we'll see you, guys you next time. I can't host the show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>